Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. If you're watching on YouTube, join us in the chat, subscribe, and hit the alert button so you know we go live each and every day at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. On each day at 1 Eastern, we have the Tennessee Power Hour. We talk all things Tennessee sports. And this week and moving forward through Titans training camp, Paul Kaharski will check in live at noon Central every day with the very latest from St. Thomas Sports Park. Paul, you look great. Sunglasses on today, and what's a hot one once again? How was practice overall? It is a pleasure to be with you, gentlemen. Uh, good to hear your voices. Practice was uh, crappy. Uh, <laughs> Mike Vrabel said, you know, while yesterday uh, he thought they were efficient and good team, today they would have been a team that, that, uh, that struggled. Um, that, that was inefficient and, and unproductive. Um, it's always, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times it's obvious what's going on out there, but it's also kind of reassuring when the head coach steps to the podium and, uh, and kind of confirms exactly what you felt like you saw. Um, Ryan Tannehill was kind of off and inaccurate. Um, that red zone offense that I told you was so great in the one-on-ones, uh, was out of sync. Um, uh, ben Jones and Tannehill had had two bad exchanges and things just uh, whereas yesterday they were kind of easy and free flowing and looked really smooth. Today was a lot less uh, less so, a lot more disjointed and um, you know I, I think um, it's kind of simple and neat. But in the first two days we got kind of uh, smooth operation and uh, a lot less so, kind of. Uh, um, the two two extremes of things, if you will. Uh, the the one dominant performance throughout seems to be from AJ Brown against a number of different defensive backs. AJ Brown's been very good, as you would expect. Now he, he's not playing a ton of snaps, but uh, I thought the throw that kind of got Tannehill out of the funk and back to uh, you know a baseline of of normalcy was probably from about the 18-yard line um, through to A.J. Brown up the right side into the end zone over Jack Rabbit Jenkins and still weird to say with Imani Hooker late coming to help. Um, and it was one of those passes that just simply wasn't going to be defended. Uh, the receiver uh, got open off the line, was, was, you know, had enough space that if the quarterback threw the ball precisely – it was going to be a touchdown catch, and all of those parts uh, happened. And uh, I think it was a team period, not a seven-on-seven, seven, and there wasn't enough disruption up front that, that it made Tannehill change anything. And I actually think he found his footing um, from that moment going forward and was better uh, than he had been earlier, where I thought he was kind of off target and, and not very good. Deshaun Kaiser, um, they're pretty much going to flip two and three with Woodside and Kaiser as to who works with the twos and who works with the threes as a way of evening out their reps and being fair with them in terms of who they work with and who they don't work with. And so Kaiser had the twos today. 
And I, I don't know. I, I told you guys, I don't know where the talk was coming from in uh, during OTAs and, and during minicamp, uh, where the talk was coming from that Kaiser, uh, you know, was posing any kind of challenge at that stage with regard to the number two job. He hasn't done anything in these two days that should scare Logan Woodside. I thought he was poor today, made poor throws, made poor decisions. Does not look comfortable to me at all. You be sure to tell John Burton from News Channel 5 we said hello as he walks behind you right now, uh, pacing, looking John, very John, everybody says hello. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Coos is love, there, too. Love, love that. Love, love that guy. <laughs> love that guy so much. That's exactly the reaction I wanted from, uh, from JB on that one. Paul, the, the news here. of the day and the story of the day uh, had nothing to do with what happened at practice. Julio Jones being sued by a cannabis company alleging that he, along with Roddy White and multiple other defendants, sold cannabis products on the black market for $3 million per month starting in March of this year. What's the buzz around that at camp amongst the media? And have you had a chance to talk to anyone with the Titans about this story? I have not. Um, Julio Jones is scheduled to talk to us on Saturday uh, at the podium. So uh, we'll have a chance to ask him about it. Uh, wild story, if true, obviously, and uh, not a good look for sure. From what the, the report I read, and you guys can, can uh, set me straight, you've probably gone a little deeper into it than I have. Sounds like Roddy White was more the perpetrator and that, that Julio Jones was kind of the tag along. Not that that makes what he's accused of doing uh, okay by any means. Um, but also, you have to be careful in some of these situations. You know, anybody could sue anybody for anything. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to allow for, for the instance that this could be some, some sour grape uh, scenario. So look forward to, to learning more, obviously. Um, as with any time, some, um, any kind of lawsuit with, a, with an interesting angle like this uh, comes out. So be curious to see what he says i suspect it'll be some uh, version of no comment or talk to my lawyers um which is is typical uh in a circumstance like this but certainly a odd and wild uh kind of case and we know that uh cannabis use in the nfl is no um no secret anymore nothing that guys are uh, ashamed of per se um selling uh, is a whole different deal. Selling on the scale <laughs> that this suit accuses them of is uh, a monumental deal. Well, and you mentioned attorney. Uh, the attorney for SLW <laughs> Holdings LLC, which two members are Roddy White and Julio Jones, Rafi Emanuel has spoken, and he says the vague allegations against SW, uh, SLW Holdings and its members Roddy White and Julio Jones are meritless, in May, SLW obtained a temporary restraining order in a related civil case to prevent unlawful conduct involving Genetics LLC. In reply, the defendants argued conspiracy theories that were not proven by evidence in court, nor were they substantiated before any agency. So there you have it. it the takes, attorney has spoken. It takes those Waffle House cleats to a whole new level, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Always open. <laughs> yeah, that's Always right. open. It just strikes me. It just strikes me if you're if you're tied up in this sort of thing where it sounds like the guy that was hired to execute the plan by what sounds like a, a legitimate growing distribution company 
who then failed to execute his end of things, who's alleged to have been involved with White and Jones. Um, if you are looking for somebody to latch onto and get money from, a couple rich NFL receivers would certainly be the types who are, uh, I, I don't want to say less shady. Maybe they've had shady involvements here, but we know they have big bank accounts uh, with or without cannabis money. Paul, I'm seeing some who have been out at practice, um, and, and, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe the, these guys have looked great. I know the pads are not on, so I want to preface the question before I uh, name the two players that are getting or receiving praise. Um, pads are not on. But Jeffrey Simmons and Laurel Murchison seem to be practicing well over the first two days. Have they stood out at all to you? I, I have not specifically gotten a look at Murchison. So I, I have to pass on that one. And, and look, I think, uh, you know, some people uh, have four people out here and, and can look at, at four different things at the same time. Yes, yes. Uh, so maybe they're getting a great look at Murchison. I, I don't know. I went and watched the defensive line for a little bit. My focus was on Simmons um, and Tart, who I think live up to the, to the billing. I was watching them more in an individual scenario, uh, you know, to look for explosion. Uh, because there's been a lot of talk in particular about Tart. Uh, I posted a picture of, of Simmons with his shirt off yesterday, just as a, a gauge of his leanness and development, um, which is just where you would expect it. We talked yesterday, we're not going to fawn over bodies, but uh, you know, it's a, 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 a small check-in, so to speak. Um, they both looked quite expl explosive on the sleds, coming up under a, a low ledge, right? Traditional defensive line drill and i've got some video up of that um murchison uh I, I did look at during otas at minicamp who looked um faster i i think and we've talked about this uh you know second year guys hutton was a point of emphasis for you as we were previewing camp those guys should uh look different and better tart we talked to today he talked about, you know, I, I said, hey, last year, I think on this day of camp, you were tapping out. You were getting yelled at by Terrell Williams, uh, the defensive line coach, for your technique hitting the sled, which wasn't very good, and you were tapping out. How, how much different are you a year later? And he said, I ain't tapping out. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a world of difference, and I presume it's the same for Murchison, though I haven't noticed him specifically yet. Well, let's get into and, this. And, and I will say, I will say, Hutt, you know, defensive linemen in the framework of, of, uh, of a team period on the second day of camp in just helmets, I, I think I'm not going to spend my time tweeting or reporting on anything they're doing right. because I find right. it generally meaningless, as, as should most people. I've just seen multiple uh, reporters. Uh, and, and look, I, I, Teron Davenport's one. who uh, I love his coverage. Um, he's yeah. saying that and he understands and the nuance. Good. Yeah, that's great. I just I, he with, understands the nuances some of that better than I. I. I want to I want to just you know I'm going to be fair to the story if it's with or without pads. Um, uh, Paul, yesterday's story was the offensive uh, dominance in the red zone, but one thing I know you were keeping an eye on was how the defense would rebound. Let's let's go into detail a bit on the red zone work and how the defense did rebound well in that area. I, I think the corners were better. But I think really, and look, this is not some two-day 
statement about the defense. And a lot of people are going to take that and run with it, right? I was talking to a lot of Titans fans last night. I did an extra broadcast. I had a lot of Twitter exchanges to throw up their hands. Oh, the secondary still sucks after, after the, uh, the receivers had a good day in red zone. You know, uh, you can't make sweeping conclusions. It's, it's uh, eight minutes or, or whatever it is. Um, and today in those, in those same minutes, the defense was better. But uh, I, I think the cornerbacks did a better job probably positioning themselves. Um, there might have been a few breakups, but I really think uh, the defense's effect was to help the offense get out of sync. And I don't know that the offense needed a lot of help getting out of sync. I think the offense was, uh, you know, the defense probably helped. But I felt like the offense was off. Um, you know, and, and I, I think anybody that's telling you who's not a coach or a player there, how much of that was the defense and how much of that was the offense is, is, is uh, editorializing more than I'm willing to editorialize on this subject. Uh, the receivers were not as good. Tannehill, Woodside, and Kaiser were not as good. They did not throw the ball as precisely to the spots, and the receivers did not get separation. There were still some good catches made, but it was not. Um, and I don't know if you guys looked, if you go and look at my Instagram yesterday, beyond the stuff that I put on, um, on Twitter, there were some really good catches made yesterday. A couple of them guys didn't get their feet down, but still the bodying, the hand position, the precision of the throws. Excellent. Today, there was less of that. Cody Hollister made one really good catch. Um, I, I don't recall who the defensive back was, but generally speaking, uh, Julio Jones wasn't in it again. There were fewer great catches. That said, one of the notes I sent you, Hutton, Chester Rogers, I think, has been really good. And uh, Marcus Johnson, I think, has been really good. Now, we get caught up, fans get caught up every year with this team with low-ranking receivers looking good early and get carried away. These guys could fade like dust, right? But as of right now, I think there's reason to be encouraged about the competition after the top three receivers here who are obviously A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and uh, Josh Reynolds. I think guys like, um, I mentioned Marcus Johnson and um, who did I just say? I'm forgetting his name. Rogers and Westbrook Aquina, who's also been very good. Look good. Des Fitzpatrick looked really good yesterday. Not uh, not as noticeable today. And look maybe really good. Marcus Johnson had two touchdowns in a seven on seven um, seven on seven red zone period. One from Tannehill on the left side of the end zone, where he made a move on a defender and left him and caught it on the left side of the end zone. And two or three plays later, uh, a really nice stretching over his shoulder in the back corner of the end zone throw from Logan Woodside on the right side of the end zone. That looked like two big-time NFL practice catches. I, I was very impressed. Wait, so, and one name we haven't mentioned in all of this is Racy McMath. Does he look like your typical rookie that's that's getting the legs under him a bit and then maybe he factors in down the road? Or is he a part of this group that we just glance over because there's so many names to mention? Yeah, he's absolutely a part of this. Uh, a part of this group. He was very good yesterday. I noticed him less today, but I think uh, I'd pack those four guys in and say, I'd be surprised if uh, right now, look on day two of camp, I'd say somebody out of that group should be a quality number four option. And I would also say 
because those four guys look good and they're all six feet or bigger to me uh, and Batson's been fine and, and Kinsey's been fine, but this team clearly likes big receivers. And I don't think they're looking at those top four and saying, you know what we need in there is a little crafty guy, you know, and Batson's faster than Kinsey, but I, I think those guys uh, and Batson's made some good catches too, but he throw Des Fitzpatrick in there and, I think the odds feel stacked to me against Batson and Kinsey uh, unless they really blow people out of the water on special teams because these other bigger guys fit more the mold of, of the top-line receivers, and they seem to be able to make catches. We talked to Nick Westbrook-Akina today, uh, who was very good talker, by the way. Um, you know, this guy dropped a ton of balls last year in training camp, and nevertheless – Rob Moore, Arthur Smith, Mike Vrabel saw something in him that they decided was worth um, investing in. And, and they kept him. He played pretty good special teams, made some plays on special teams, caught a fourth down conversion on a fake punt, right? That was a tough catch at the sticks, Hut, if I remember correctly. Yep. And, uh, and carved out a little role for himself. Now, we joked about it uh, you know, being ridiculous that there was some talk of him potentially being a number two. But I don't think it's ridiculous at all to talk about developing a guy like that into a number four, uh, you know, who's got potential to grow. That's something the Titans have failed to do repeatedly and could now be in position to do if it's not him with one of these other guys. Uh, I, I like the four pack. And, uh, you know, I think right now, be cautiously, cautiously optimistic that these guys can slug it out amongst themselves, make it a nice competition, show in the three preseason games and uh, give the Titans a tough choice and some good practice squad options. That said, nobody's more conscious than I am of Trey McBride and Byron Ely and, and all of that <laughs> and, and the fact that it could crumble. But I don't recall the Titans having four of those guys. Every year there's one of those guys. This seems like there could potentially be four of those guys. They have a number of tight ends on the roster too. Um, not high expectations for that position group. But you sent a text during today's show that said, Tommy Hudson greater than Jeff Swaim. In, in what area are you saying that this is actually a battle? Well, I, I'm not saying he's going to displace Swaim. I haven't noticed Swaim through two days, and we've all noticed Tommy Hudson. Uh, you know, so there's a little bit of buzz of Tommy Hudson, like uh, reporters coming up to each other and saying, Tommy Hudson looks like a guy who's going to make this team. So I, I, I came in thinking that Tommy Hudson was the leader for the third spot, and Tommy Hudson, uh, you know, Looks like he's the third guy right now. Um, Tommy Hudson, I watched, you know, they do those one-on-ones. We showed one yesterday between Ferkser and uh, who was the linebacker. It was a good linebacker where they just do, go one-on-one Landry. in space. Landry. Landry. They go one-on-one in a pretty significant square of space where they start back-to-back in the middle. They run seven or ten yards away. And then the offensive guy with the ball is trying to juke his way past the, uh, the defender. And so I watched Hudson do that three times today. Uh, the first one, it wasn't good. He kind of got to the defender and he, he stopped, which is not the way to win that drill um, because that gives the defender a complete chance to just close on you. Um, but I saw Hudson get progressively better in his two snaps after that where he corrected himself, if you will, and said, you know, that's not the way to get by uh, by the linebacker in this circumstance. And the linebacker's not tackling the guy, right? He's trying to come to balance 
and tag him up in a way that makes it clear like, hey, if I was tackling this guy, I came to balance and I see his hips and I could wrap him and take him down. Um, oftentimes using the sideline or driving him towards the sideline of that space, be that the actual sideline or bodies arriving in the form of help. Hudson got better on the, on the two later reps. I think he's doing things correctly. Um, and I think, you know, so far he's the third guy and he looks the part of, of the third guy. Um, and, you know, so that, that's a good thing because I think if he doesn't turn out to be the third guy, they'd probably end up shopping, which is a, a thing I, I, I think many people expect they're going to wind up doing. Tommy Hudson is probably the guy that could stop them from doing that. Coming up, I'm going to set up uh, the, the one big Titans topic, and, and Paul's going to join us for that discussion as well this hour. But first, Paul, you, you tried to duck out of practice, not out of practice, but off to the side to find some shade, to send a tweet. <laughs> What did you find today when you did that? Well, you guys know the glare, and you, I think everybody watching this can sense the glare. So when you're trying to tweet, your phone is its very difficult to see. Once upon a time, I got in big trouble because I took what I thought were back-to-back pictures of a guy making a catch, and I thought it was like boom, boom of somebody pulling in a ball, and I tweeted them out consecutively saying it was two, two, two frames and it turned out they weren't two consecutive frames. One was a white guy and one was a black guy. And uh, I couldn't read my tweets. I was getting destroyed on Twitter for saying it was the same guy when one was white and one was black. So <laughs> I'm much more cautious now. Um, and so I tried to uh, squat in shade, sometimes another human being's shade. And sometimes uh, there's a tent like this, you know, like a, this is a filming tent that looks like a boat, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I'll go behind the boat where there's a, a Titans employee who's operating the, the controls that film the film tower. So I duck behind a film tower way down there on the other side to uh, draft a, a tweet that I would send out right after practice was done about the kickers, probably, that we'll talk about a little bit later. And lo and behold, behind there, it smells of urine. It smells very strongly of urine. And I'm thinking, it got some sort of animal that's coming back here, <laughs> urinating overnight. This is disgusting. And I say to the fine gentleman who I know, he's a longtime Titans employee and number, number two probably in the video uh, department. I say, uh, how are you surviving over here with this? This is terrible. Well, I, I don't want to sell anybody out, but I'm going to sell somebody out. Okay. Taylor Lewan went over there and relieved himself. Now he had the option. He had the option of using the grass. It's a border right there, cement and grass. Could have used the grass, which obviously would soak up some of the urine and the smell of the urine. Did he use the grass? No, of course not. He used the pavement. And so a reporter ducking behind there to tweet which was only for a moment, so I suffered modestly. Or the poor guy who's driving the boat and filming the practice has to smell Taylor Lewan's urine for the duration of this in you know, near 100-degree heat, which is terrible. The story doesn't Me. end there, boys. Oh, The story doesn't end there. <laughs> what a story. Let's keep it going. Let's, let's take us to the end of the hour. This is amazing. I just want to stick with the bathroom theme. So uh, Kendall Lamb was one of the guys talking in the mixed zone today. 
And uh, Joe Rex wrote from The Athletic, was with Kendall Lamb for, I think, most of his conversation. I came in late with my well-crafted poll, and I got some good stuff out of Kendall Lamb, who's a wonderful talker. Uh, and when I was finished, Rex Road said to him, hey, man, I tried to get you out of there quickly after you shared that, that information. You know, don't hold it against me that I couldn't get you out of there. And uh, I said to Rex Road, what information? And uh, I'll, I'll paint it nicely. He said, yeah, he said early on he had to go number two. He's trying to get out of here. So I said, Kendall, Kendall, I, I didn't know, man. I just needed some, some info. You were fantastic given the circumstances. Thank you very much. And he was like, no problem, man. Part of the job. But Kendall Lamb took one for the team, held it in while he talked to the media before he went inside to do his business, which is not where Taylor Lawan did his business. Well, Paul, I'll, I'll say your your first inclination was right. It was an animal. <laughs> you, you're right. It was definitely an animal that, that uh, decided to go on the pavement like a total animal. And uh, Taylor yeah. Lawan is an animal, and that's why Titans fans love him. Lawan would want us to say he no free say, shout He would say – Unbelievable yeah, story. He, he would say a sexy beast. <laughs> there, there is something just – I mean, the, the fact that you had to crouch to send a tweet Surrounded by the scent of Taylor Lewan's urine is just some poetic justice with the, the relationship that you guys have had from his rookie season on. Uh, where Paul, you've told the story on air before where he came into the media room uh, back whenever you guys had the media room right there to confront you over a story. Um, and now you guys, are, you guys are cool now, but uh, uh, he's going to love this story. The fact that he chose that spot and you crouched in that exact area. Yeah, he came in holding up... Uh, uh, I posted him getting his ass kicked by somebody in Houston, <laughs> a, a film a screenshot, and he came in. Yeah, it was Whitney Merciless, exactly. And he came into the press room. Uh, he, he, he was in the lobby asking the security guys where I was, and they pointed him to the press room. And he came in, and he walked over to my desk. He said, what's this? And I said, it's a picture of Whitney Merciless kiss, kiss, kicking your ass. Mike Malarkey <laughs> just talked about it in the press room down the hall. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that was not a great couple of weeks for us, but we came to terms with the fact that, uh, you know, I, I've also shown a lot of pictures of him uh, doing great work. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm sure he I, did not point out. I can assure. No, I didn't point any of those out. I can assure our audience right now that this is the type of stuff you're only going to get right here on Outkick 360 <laughs> with Paul's report. I want everyone, I'm looking into the camera right now, I want you all to know you're not getting this bleep anywhere else. Uh, I mean, this, that, this urine or bleep, you're not getting anywhere else. You're only getting it right here. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the just how strong it had to be. It was like asparagus or something yeah. <laughs> for, for Paul to pick up on it I, right I as he turned the asparagus. corner. It's good to know he's been eating healthy during the offseason. I mean, that would be my first thing. Like, Well, it was relatively right fresh. I think there was probably only a 20 or 25-minute gap. Uh, I, I, I mean, if you're lucky, it sounds like. <laughs> Coming up, you can join the, uh, the, I'm sure the chat's going crazy. You can join the chat on YouTube at Outkick360. Ponder this thought, this question, as we go to, to a quick break. We, we mentioned Henry yesterday as our one big topic. And the, the quest for the three-peat, where you can average 100 yards per game rushing for three consecutive seasons, and what that would mean historically. A.J. Brown has 1,000 yards receiving over his first two seasons. He has a chance to do it for a third consecutive year in his first three years in the league. 
Can he do it again? Will he do it again? And we'll discuss where that would put him in historical perspective across the NFL. That's straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Uh, PK, uh, he's broadcasting live, joining us from Titans training camp in a different area from where Taylor Lewan relieved himself earlier uh, in That's way practice. over there. Yeah, he's think, on the opposite think, side of the field. I think you should close your visit with us by bro- coming to us live from <laughs> Taylor Lewan's piss stain. Let's I don't think the Wi-Fi the gets that. there. I don't think hey, the okay. Wi-Fi reaches there. A good thing he did. I mean, good thing it, he did. It would be next level if you could do that, or it, at least show us the stain. It's a good thing it was on the sidewalk because there will be a, just a dead area of grass there tomorrow. Yes. If it were anything else other than that, he was saving the turf, uh, being on the lookout for the oh, crew. The turf at the edge of the sidewalk is not important. <laughs> or just you know trying to find a place to go other than right there. But again, it's it's football practice and it's closed to the public. Um, Let's, let's talk A.J. Brown, who is off to a tremendous start in camp. He's healthy. Uh, could not say that last year, but it didn't matter. He was still dominant. He had back-to-back seasons after last year, year number two, of over 1,000 yards receiving. He has a chance to do it for a third time. Paul, you reported last week he was going to start practice on time. That, in fact, has happened. He's been very good in practice when he has received reps against Jack Rabbit and everyone else that has lined up against him. Give us a brief description of just... A.J. Brown's approach to camp, what you've seen through two days, and then let's discuss the, the big picture for 2021. Look, he's all business, you know. Uh, he's having fun. He's, he's chirping a little bit when, uh, when given the occasion. The thing that struck me today, and Janoris Jenkins is a, uh, sorry, Jackrabbit Jenkins is a yeah. high-energy guy. Um. You know, and I'm not asking him to be anybody that he's not. I thought he would, uh, and he, he probably will, replace Malcolm Butler's energy for this franchise in that group. But he's not been like Malcolm Butler um, in these two days in terms of um, the physical bounce, I would say, and the verbal stuff. So Malcolm Butler was a real heartbeat. I think, um, for the secondary and for the defense right out of the gate uh, when he got here and certainly for his time here. And, um, you know, we talked about some of his physical limitations, but he made up for that with the feistiness a lot of times. Um, <clears throat> Jenkins hasn't been able to go toe-to-toe with, uh, with A.J. Brown to this point. Um, and I, I don't know if that's having any effect on the group overall. I mean, Breon Borders has been has been very good. Um, I haven't really noticed Fulton. Got to keep in mind, like we've talked about the upgraded depth at cornerback, but Kevin Peterson is running with the twos, and Kevin Peterson made this team as a tryout player. If I'm not mistaken, Hutton, out of the minicamp. Uh, right. You know, when everybody was making yeah. a big deal yeah. out of the offensive lineman, uh, the wrestling guy who didn't make this team um and i think kevin peterson's doing a respectable job but he and borders are the you know uh third and fourth outside cornerbacks right now with fulton and jenkins i think jenkins has gone against aj brown the most i've seen uh chris jackson who is the top slot i think 
against him and Greg Maven also against him. Also, Nolo Contendro. Um, but Jenkins hasn't gotten up from those matchups with, uh, with what looks to me to be a Malcolm Butler feistiness to this point. Um, and, you know, I can't judge him based on two days of, uh, of stuff or in that specific of a comparison to Butler. I just don't see the Butler vibe so far out of this group. And I think Caleb Farley will bring it also once he's out here. But I also think um, there's no shame in not having a cornerback who's not going to cover A.J. Brown very well. I think most teams in the league don't have that guy unless you've got one of the top four, five, six cornerbacks in the league. And I don't think Janoris Jenkins, Jack Rabbit, excuse me, is one of those guys. Uh, I think they hope Caleb Farley will be. And, and from the A.J. Brown perspective, we're all curious to see what the addition of Julio Jones means for his production. We, we expect it will go up. It, Brown's approach to the game is phenomenal, and he battled through the knee injuries last year and still produced at an extremely high level. With that in mind, with the extra game, where would we set the over-under, just in, in a sense of yardage, for, for Brown? Again, we, the caveat, and it, it goes without saying, uh, without say, he needs to stay healthy. That goes without saying. But uh, w- would we put it at 1,200 yards? I mean, that, that's, t- to me, uh, the sky's the limit for him, much like we were describing what it could be for Derrick Henry yesterday. I mean, I think you probably put it at 1,200 for both of them if they play full seasons or close to full seasons, don't you? I, I'm yeah. very uncomfortable playing the numbers game, Hut, because well, I, I, I'm not good at it. I, I, don't, I, I don't have in mind what the Titans did on total offense last year, uh, and then I'd want to run, run the numbers a little bit for what I expect the increase to be and, and all of that stuff. But I think it'll be a little bit more top-heavy But I, uh, for, for Brown and, and Jones. I still think it's going to be a matchup offense and that there will be days. And this is why I think a lot of um, bookmakers don't don't like the Titans in certain ways. I think a lot of fantasy people who are of influence about opinions of teams don't like the Titans because I think there will be some days where A.J. Brown's quiet or Julio Jones is quiet or even Derrick Henry's quiet. We talked about this the other day. He'll have a, an occasional 60-yard game, right? maybe with a couple touchdowns, but because I think the Titans smartly, I give them credit for this. I have not taken away from them design a game plan against an opponent. Right. And so if they've got an opponent who's going to lock somebody on AJ Brown and take them away, they're not going to force. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Now I don't think there are too many teams that can do that. Right. But I think if you're facing the Packers and you've got Jerry Alexander um, who could take a receiver away, if they're effectively taking a receiver away, you go do something else because you've got other options. Um, and I don't have a problem with that at all. So I need to factor that stuff into my numbers thing too. I don't know how good a guest I'm going to be tomorrow morning. I'm on, I think it's called sports grid with Ariel Epstein. Who's uh, one of my favorite gambling prop people. Um, and I told her like, I could talk very generally about expectations about the Titans, but if you're going to ask me how many yards is Derek Henry going to run for, I probably won't be a great guest. Well, I look at the numbers just from the historical sense of what we're witnessing in real time. So that's why I'm digging into the numbers a bit. And it's hard to predict because we don't know how the ball distribution goes. And again, you have to factor in health, which is unpredictable. But he needs 1,300 yards to put himself into top 10 all time for wide receivers 
in the first three years of a career. Now, that's extremely hard to do. To go from 1,000 in a season to 1,300, only seven receivers in the NFL last year had, had over 1,300 yards. I mean, that, that would be a phenomenal year for anyone, not just a young player looking to become great. But to do a, to, to, to three-peat, to have the 1,000-yard receiving season each of the first three years, since 1970, Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Randy Moss, and John Jefferson. Those are the only players that led off a career with three consecutive seasons of 1,000 yards or more receiving. A.J. Brown's right there with them and can enter that group and can be top 10 all-time in yardage after his first three seasons with a 1,300-yard performance. Again, it would be that would put him into another stratosphere, but, but that's what we're witnessing in real time is he could go from good to great not just on paper for a Titans team in 2021, but he's up there with the legendary receivers and his contemporaries, and he's playing alongside one of his idols in Julio Jones. It would be an utterly remarkable accomplishment, uh, given all that context you've provided, and then given the franchise he's playing for, because quite frankly, um, in the Tennessee era, we've talked about this time and time again, and it's obviously a new dawn, a new page, all of that stuff. Um, But look, we're talking about 20 years of the Titans not doing anything like that. I mean, uh, fans prayed for a thousand yard guy, for for a guy that threatened a thousand yards. There there was Derek Mason and there was uh, (laughs) pretty much a wasteland of development after that and free agents. Look, you can joke about Yancey Thigpen. Floyd Reese, God bless him, went and got the best available wide receiver. You can joke about David Gibbons, but they went out, God bless him, and got the best available wide receiver. And these things flopped, and high draft picks on Kenny Britt and Tyrone Calico, and, you know, they just flopped. Kevin Dyson, you know, he did some nice things, but these guys did not pan out into big-time, consistent weapons, which the Tennessee Titans needed and needed and needed. And now you find a guy in A.J. Brown who is everything you've been looking for, hoping for, wishing for. It's conceivable that he has this third season like you're talking about. He's got a 17th game to do yeah, it in Hutt, right, which right. gives him really three more games than he had last year if he's healthy because he missed two games last year, right? Was it only two? Two? I think it was the second think, and third week that he was out. Yes, it might have yep. been more. Um and he fell out in that first game. So uh, he, he took a dent in the first game and then missed two games and then was playing hurt. Um, you know, he's going to be danged, but it shouldn't be as bad as it was last year, barring something crazy going on. The question is, how much of a dent does, does Julio Jones put in into him? Um, and then again, you know, some of the things I was talking about yesterday when we had a similar conversation about Derek Henry. Are the Titans playing from, from the – from on a 60 yard field instead of on a 90 yard field or an 80 yard field where they don't have as many yards to go gain as, as often. And does that take some potential yards away from Derrick Henry, from AJ Brown, from Julio Jones? I think all of those questions come into play, but I think the Titans are going to gain more yards and those yards are going to come primarily in the stat column to Derrick Henry, to AJ Brown and to Julio Jones. Well, and, and we should also factor in Josh Reynolds because Adam Humphreys was not a factor last year for A.J. Brown's production as the third wideout. Um, and, and they threw more to Jonu Smith as well, but you get where I'm going here. What, what would the third wide receiver production do 
for both Julio and AJ. That's why it's so hard to predict. What what have you seen from Josh Reynolds so far, Paul? Because we haven't really pinpointed his production practice to this point. And there's going to be some pass game production, just as a quick aside, to Darrington Evans. Yeah, um, yeah. Pass game production to the run running backs that we haven't seen. Josh Reynolds has been good. He's been he's been solid. Um, I haven't noticed him the way I've noticed some of these other guys that we've been talking about who have just, uh, I think, had more opportunities and made more uh, splashy catches than Reynolds has. And I don't think that says anything about Reynolds two days in. They're not worried about Reynolds, um, the, the, the first unit uh, guys. Uh, a receiver maybe mixes in more guys higher in the rotation than any position in, in a training camp deal. And so, um, yeah, I noticed him once or twice today and, and maybe once yesterday. Um, I, I, I don't think it, it means anything. And again, um, you know, monitoring a 90 guy field, um, you know, some guys sneak through the cracks. I don't, I don't think it says anything that I haven't noticed him um, as much as some of these other guys. Paul Koharski at Paul Koharski NFL is where you can find him on Twitter for the in-practice tweets. And then uh, Paul's with us, of course, each day on Outkick 360, but uh, will be with us live from Titans training camp. Paul, coming up, we have the uh, 360 parlay. Um, before I missed you... last night's. Did you hit? We well, did not. Ki- kind of. <laughs> Explain what happened, Jeff. Well, there's, there are two separate things. I, so two nights ago, Paul, I hit on a parlay because I accidentally picked Spain to beat Argentina in men's basketball <laughs> and not soccer the way Hunt yeah, wanted. Yeah, thanks a lot. I bet so. So I won, I won that parlay, even though uh, the Nationals game was po- – or the Red Sox-Blue Jays that night was postponed because of weather. I won three of the four, and because that was voided out, I won the parlay. So the parlay goes back to me. Last night we lost the parlay. Russia's women won the women's foil competition in fencing, which was big. Uh, but Japan uh, got their ass absolutely whipped <laughs> by Slovenia uh, by like 36, and I had Slovenia. them covering 21. So uh, the parlay is back to me tonight, and um, I'll give you one hint as to the direction I'm going. Four names. That's it. That's Four the names. hint. Four names. Stay with us. I'll kick 360 rolls Sounds on. like a swimming relay. Let's get rich. Let's get rich in about 15 minutes because the daily parlay includes a game that first pitch, Chad, in real time happens in about 19 minutes from now. I've always wanted to scream, you got to act now, like in one of those commercials. You know, you got to act now on this offer. You, As if this game has already been played. You legitimately have to act now on this game because first pitch is at 1.11 p.m. Central Time. Today's parlay we're going to put up on the screen at this time. The there Chicago White Sox, first pitch, 1.11 p.m. Central, minus 190 against the Kansas City Royals. I mentioned the, uh, the T's as four names. you got to trust an athlete with four names. I always do. Shelly Ann Frazier-Price, who is a sprinter for Jamaica. This is me siding with Jamaica, which the entire island is shocked that I would do this right now, considering my history <laughs> with the lowly island nation of Jamaica. But I'm taking Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, who is the favorite to win the women's 100-meter tonight uh, in Tokyo. And give me U.S. women's basketball minus 19 against Japan. And I think it's now moved to 19 and a half. This is a very reactionary bet because I went with Japan men last night (laughs) to cover 21 and a half. And they got destroyed by Slovenia. So 
I'm going USA women now. I'm going against Japan and the Japanese women team. U.S. women, big, bigger than 19, and you're going to win big if you play that parlay. $5 bet will win you 2568fanduel.com slash OK360. Fanduel.com slash OK360. Paul, how would you uh, parlay the kicking competition right now? What did Vrabel have to say about that battle? He said that it fit in with the deck. Like I, like we started off talking about how uh, it was just an uneven, not very good day mm-hmm. uh, overall. You know, he said it would have been a struggle, yada yada. Um, and so he, he, I, I think that's what got him started on that uh, when he was asked about the kicking. So uh, they kicked from 37, 33, 40, 43, and 49. Uh, Hobiel wide right from 37 and 49 McCann wide wide right from 40 and 49 listen I'm going to watch this kicking period a lot of days and think it's a big waste of time I don't think either of these guys are going to be a kicker for the Tennessee Titans on opening day maybe I'm wrong and they finally develop somebody and McCann steps up um Hobiel's uh trajectory I, I mentioned McCann's is low yesterday Hobiel's is lower mm. so um you know, take that for what it's worth. I, I'm not excited about this competition. I, I I know, and and I'm not either. I mean, I I see these numbers, and it's you know it's good to track, and it is a battle right now. But ultimately, are they going to go out and get Goskowski? Um, to me, it, the, the comments after two days. I, I know Vrabel's wanting more competition and more accuracy. He's saying 60 percent isn't good enough, and he's right. Um, and, and that would lead – I'm with you, Paul. That would lead to a, a veteran coming in and taking that job Yesterday, when the, when the two incumbents prove they can't do it. Yesterday they were good. Uh, and, look, I do understand, like, at some point you want to develop your own guy. Uh, you know, but this Ohio State kid, I don't think he was on anybody's radar. So if you want to develop your own right. guy, draft a guy or go get a guy that's a higher – more highly regarded than these guys. I, I, do I think Craig Ackerman's going out and – secretly finding some guy that nobody else was on to? No, I don't. Well, we, we and by the way, um, we take pride in this as a show. The guy may not make the roster, but we're going to get his name uh, proper on the show. Paul, say 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 his name again, because we're going to hear his name said say his name. in the preseason and, and by multiple shows and outlets across the, the market and across the state. They're going to butcher this. Hawbeal, like H-A-W-B-E-A-L, Hawbeal. What did Henry say about his workout routine? It was funny. He took a line of questioning kind of about posting his workouts on social media. And uh, he said, people ask me all the time for my workouts, like to send them a workout, like other athletes, I presume. And he said, so I post them. And I, I figure like people don't have an excuse to not do them once I post. I'm thinking to myself, like, what kind of idiots, even like good athletes are trying this stuff? And then Teron Davenport and I both, uh, he said, you know, my trainer, Melvin, uh, who's been written about, you know, does most of this stuff on his own before he brings it to me. And Teron Davenport and I were both like jumping in like at the same time. Is there something that he's brought to you that you don't don't do? Um, and he said, you know, well, there's some some standing on my head stuff that I'm not into. He's like, I'm not like doing the Marvel Universe. I'm training for football. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good from there. No Cirque du Soleil for Derrick Henry. Uh, Paul, oh, yeah. great great reporting today. Uh, back-to-back days of uh, what's been a very fast 
Tennessee Power Hour. We'll check in tomorrow as well and get the very latest from the Titans practice facility. Fun stuff. I'm going to get some of those. Uh, what did you do, Chad? You sampled them one time. The ammonia stuff to uh, to get that urine out of my the, nose. The, oh, the yeah, smelling the, salts. The, the sniffing, the smelling salts. Yep. Enjoy. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to send Taylor Lewan a uh, a nice note for it's, with it's my be a thanks. Deep burn, Paul, but it will eliminate that smell of urine. I promise. For all we know, it smells exactly the same. <laughs> True. <laughs> Actually, I, I think Taylor Lewan pissed on all those also on his way off the field today. So good luck. Uh, they say. They say, don't piss on my back and tell me it's rain. That's right. And you say, don't block the box. Don't block the box. Do lock the lock. See you. Outkick 360 tomorrow, noon Eastern. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.